Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Welcome. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Settle in. We've got plenty to get through. There may be a rant or two. Or three. Or maybe no rants at all. Maybe I'll just pat a cat or something. Play with a kitten. Mm, no, there's going to be some rants. It's going to be some rants. Hello there, everyone. Thanks for joining us. It's another week. Thanks for joining us on the Daily Boogie. An absolute pleasure to see you there. Cuxburg killed Blue Room. Yes, Dangus. I'm wearing a black armband today. Blue Room is no more. I tip my hat. Many a laugh was delivered over here, thanks to the Blue Room. So sad to see him go. But he will evolve, I'm sure. Like a beautiful butterfly emerging from a cocoon. He's going through a stage of metamorphosis. So I'll tip of the hat to the Blue Room straight off the bat. Thanks for joining us, everyone. An absolute pleasure to see you there. Hope you had a lovely day. I certainly have. Today, we're going to be doing follow-up after follow-up after follow-up. This topic is not going to go away. In fact, this topic we're going to talk about today is only going to intensify even further than what it already has. And we're going to do a little bit of memory refreshment as well as point to some recent news. Uh, just before we do, though, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please go to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to regale me with stories of blue rooms in Christmas past, that doesn't even make sense. I'm sorry, I'm very tired. Then <laughs> get in touch on Twitter at boogie bumper. Uh, look, We've done a number of episodes over the last couple of weeks dealing with... It started... The first episode we did was the tragic aftermath of a tragedy. And if you want a refresher, please go to uh, the Podbean or iTunes website, download that podcast. And then there was another four or five episodes after that where we tracked the intensity of governments trying to regulate social media, imposing penalties, fines... And whether it's for noble causes or deceitful motivations, using the aftermath of the New Zealand shooting as, a, you know, a, a launch pad for future regulations that they are now very much in the process of introducing. So let's start it off with this news a couple, from a couple of days ago. Australia passes law penalising social media companies for violent posts. Critics, including tech companies, say the measure is a rushed response to the New Zealand mosque shootings. This is, of course, in the known far-right-wing conspiracy website known as Huffington Post. Just so you know. Australia passed legislation Thursday that puts the onus on social media companies to remove violent posts from their platforms, or they could face massive fines or even prison for executives. The law, which forces companies like Facebook and Twitter to quickly remove, quote, 
abhorrent violent material, follows the mosque shootings in New Zealand last month that were live-streamed on Facebook and quickly disseminated before they were deleted. The measure was quickly drafted without much input from tech uh, tech companies or the general public, according to the New York Times. It criminalises videos that show terrorist attacks, murders, rapes or kidnapping, and social media companies that don't remove the material expeditiously face massive fines of up to 10% of their annual profit, Executives could be sentenced to up to three years in prison. But critics, including the tech companies, say the law is too vague. Sunita Bose, managing director of an advocacy group representing Facebook, Google and others, told the Times lawmakers didn't spend nearly enough time defining what content falls into criminal territory. There's a number of things we've, we've spoken about before, but we have to go over it again because we've got a bunch of new listeners from the podcast last week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for, for jumping on board. The first thing to identify here is the brutal reality of what a law does. You will hear governments time and time and time again for all kinds of reasons when arguing to introduce new laws, and it doesn't matter, it can be left or right. They will use the exact same reasoning. When trying to introduce various kinds of laws, they will say, we need to do this in order to protect people from X. We need this law to protect people from X. The brutal reality is that laws do not protect you from anything. If laws protected you from things, then there would be no murder, there would be no bank fraud, there would be no armed robbery, there would be no drink driving, there would be no jaywalking. The reality is laws don't protect you from actions. Laws turn actions into criminal actions. Laws prosecute those who break them. That's what laws do. They don't protect you from shit. They turn actions into criminal actions. In one of the episodes over the last couple of weeks, we raised the obvious problem with this in light of a whole bunch of people, including former CEOs of companies like Facebook down here in Australia. They were arguing, well, let's just ban live streaming altogether. Let's just get rid of it. Now, why would a company like, you know, Facebook or Twitter actually remove live streaming, the live streaming ability from their content? The reason is very simple. If these companies can be fined with crippling, crippling fines, 10% of their annual profit, for example, or if the executives could be sentenced to three years in prison, the risk of allowing live streaming content to go to the air, to go out into the ether, becomes too great because any live stream could potentially turn into a dangerous one, whereby the people who allow it to go live are then subject to criminal liability should anything change. Arguably, the lawyers who work for these companies, remember, these aren't small little startups. These are multinational corporations who can afford very, very good lawyers. Arguably, the lawyers would then argue that the risk outweighs the benefit. So the only solution in order to maintain the investment viability of these big companies would be to ban live streaming altogether. Why would they allow it to go through? Just because they love freedom? 
because they want you to have free speech. Really? This law, which was conceived and passed in five days without any meaningful uh, consultation, does nothing to address hate speech, which was the fundamental motivation for the tragic Christchurch terrorist attacks. You can see how it's already changing and we haven't even started. Well, why, why, why are we, why are we drawing the line at, you know, finding people for violent content going live? Shouldn't we be focusing on hate speech? Shouldn't we be focusing on hate speech? That was the real killer here. What you'll also notice when we go through these next four or five articles, ladies and gentlemen, is not one of these politicians, drunk on their own sense of self-importance, righteous indignation, not one of these politicians actually refers to the shooter as being the one who killed these people. No, hate speech was to blame. Live streaming was to blame. Facebook and Twitter are to blame. Not one of these politicians actually blames the guy who had the rifle in his hand. Not one. NPR reports. Dreyfus argued the bill could encourage, quote, proactive surveillance. Proactive surveillance. Now we're talking. Now we're talking like a good police state, aren't we? Hey, let's just watch everybody extra carefully before they've done anything wrong. That way we can protect ourselves as the multimedia company in case anything bad happens. So we don't end up in prison. So we don't get fined. Let's proactively surveil people before they do anything wrong, right? By proactive surveillance by social media companies undermine Australia's security operation with the United States and penalise small companies that do not have the resources to comply with new regulations. Ladies and gentlemen, did you not find it a little bit curious that the heads of these companies, Google, Facebook, Twitter, etc., were all saying, well, you know, we're in, we, we don't mind a bit of regulation. We don't mind a bit of regulation. We're, we're happy to discuss regulation. On what planet would a private company ever endorse people from the government coming into their company and telling them what they can and can't do? In what reality would that ever take place? Could it be perhaps that with the certain kind of regulation that's being discussed here, quote, it could penalise small companies that do not have the resources to comply with the new regulations? You're not trying to tell me that this kind of regulation is going to entrench the big companies and therefore prevent startups from being able to enter the marketplace, are you? No. No, of course not. You know how people always say, why don't you start your own platform? Why don't you start your own platform? Here's a better idea. Why don't we allow the government to come in, regulate, impose crippling fines or jail sentences, which only the large companies can afford to find workarounds for? Small companies will then be prevented from live streaming altogether. They won't be able to compete with the big ones. All of a sudden, you've got a monopoly on your hands. 
The bill does allow for exemptions for violent material to be broadcast or hosted if it is used for certain purposes, including law enforcement, court proceedings, research, artistic work or journalism. But Dreyfus said the legislation draws an arbitrary distinction between the news media and other hosting platforms such as Twitter. In one of our shows a couple of weeks ago, I said to you, if you only want the MSNBCs, the ABCs, the CNNs and the Fox Newses having the ability to live stream content to the internet, then argue in favour of regulation because that's exactly how it's going to end up. And it's actually taking this guy, Mark Dreyfus, a Labour Party member, a lefty. Because in Australia, remember, it's a so-called conservative government. A so-called conservative government is now seeking to regulate the internet and throw executives of these companies in prison if disagreeable content should make it online. And it's actually the lefty who's coming out and saying there is they are making an arbitrary distinction between news media and other hosting platforms. Forget what you thought you knew about the left-right distinction, ladies and gentlemen. The real battle is between freedom versus control. It's unclear how Australia plans to enforce the new law and whether it will go beyond its own borders to take legal action against companies that don't have offices in the country. Couple of couple of crocodile crocodile Dundee wannabe Australian politicians kicking down the doors of companies overseas because they let certain shit go live in Australia. You wouldn't believe it if I told you. Power mad, unhinged. Either from deceitful motivation or a noble place gone wrong. This is where we are currently at. After only two weeks of progress, baby. Five days it took him to write this law. Look at what was posted on the 31st of March in one of Sydney's biggest newspapers, reports of online extremist material surge following Christchurch. At this stage, it wasn't a law yet. More Australians are reporting online extremist or pro-terrorism material to Australia's internet safety watchdog in the wake of the Christchurch massacre. There were 50 people killed in the attack on March 15, 17 minutes of which was live-streamed on Facebook by the alleged terrorist. Ladies and gentlemen, 17 minutes of footage is enough to get a modern first world government to attempt to regulate the internet worldwide and threaten CEOs of companies with prison time if they allow disagreeable content to go to the air. 17 minutes of footage is all it took. Since that time, complaints to the Office of the E-Safety Commissioner about online posts advocating a terror attack, promoting or inciting crime, and those which contain extreme and offensive content have increased by more than 300%. Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Look at the numbers here. In the first two, in the two weeks after the massacre, 122 reports were made compared to 36 reports made for similar reasons in the two weeks prior to the attack. Keep track of the numbers. Remember, we know through study that most people do not get this far in an article. Most people read the headline, they read the first couple of paragraphs, they look at the picture and they move on. We know this is true. 
This is why clickbait is a thing. So in the two weeks after the massacre, 122 reports were made compared to 36 reports made for similar reasons in the two weeks prior to the attack. Ladies and gentlemen, of the 122 reports made since the shooting, 85 were related to the Christchurch attack. Which is the exact same as saying that if the Christchurch attack reports were taken out of the equation, the number would be almost exactly the same. And yet this article says, Online posts advocating a terror attack, promoting or inciting crime, and those which contain extreme or offensive content have increased by more than 300%. If you take out the posts that were directly related to the Christchurch massacre, the numbers are almost exactly the same from before it and after it in a two-week window. But don't let the truth get in the way of a good prep. This one comes from New Zealand. Facebook morally bankrupt over live streaming New Zealand Privacy Commissioner. New Zealand's Privacy Commissioner has attacked social media giant Facebook, calling the company morally bankrupt after its response to the Christchurch terror attack. Remember I told you they can always find a loophole. They will always find a way around things. Alex Jones is currently being uh, hauled in front of lawyers and being deposed and and these this footage has been leaked to youtube ironically over three hours of footage of alex jones being grilled because he is being sued by the families of the sandy hook victims the court case alleges that alex jones intentionally inflicted emotional harm on these families by suggesting the shooting didn't happen Ladies and gentlemen, if they are successful in prosecuting Alex Jones for this, it means anybody who has ever floated a theory, told an offensive joke, spoken about a public figure or a public event will now be liable for bankruptcy. They will now be they will now have the ability to be financially ruined by industrious lawyers. Where's the first amendment now? And this is happening. Also taking into account Article 13 passing in the EU, ladies and gentlemen. It's a kind of copyright law which will essentially see YouTube's version of copyright flagging being rolled out across the internet, across Europe. But not just for videos, for audio, for blog posts, for dating profiles. And if you want to say protest your innocence when somebody flags your content as a copyright violation you'll have to hire a lawyer meaning only the large companies will be able to survive and if you run a small website an information sharing website or a small news service you won't even be able to link to articles posted elsewhere on the web you won't be able to afford it essentially killing competition in the sector. Down here, they're talking openly about banning live streaming altogether. Not just down here, but in other countries as well. Hence why this is some kind of a full court press that we're seeing right here, right now. A mass attack on the freedom of the internet. 
Commissioner John Edwards, he's the privacy commissioner in New Zealand. Commissioner John Edwards has been raising concerns since the March 15 shootings at two mosques were live streamed and the video captured and distributed, arguing, quote, the privacy of the victims was breached. You want a way around things? You want a loophole? There's your loophole. The privacy of the victims was breached by the live streaming shooter. Now, see, unfortunately, we live in a time and place where shallow analysis and emotive reactionary politics is rife. So anybody who raises any kind of concerns about these kinds of draconian, over-the-top, dare I say, Orwellian measures will be instantly labelled as somebody who supports the shooting of innocent people in their place of worship. You must support violence. You must support hate crimes. Anybody who doesn't agree with this policy is a nasty supporter of death. You can see it already, can't you? On Sunday, he took to social media in a series of posts. Obviously, the guy has no sense of irony whatsoever. Expressing his frustration with Facebook and saying it could not be trusted. Quote, They are morally bankrupt, pathological liars who enable genocide. This is an elected official of New Zealand accusing Facebook of enabling genocide, ladies and gentlemen. Facilitate foreign undermining of democratic institutions. I would pose a question in earnest to the quote-unquote privacy commissioner of New Zealand, John Edwards. What do you think poses a bigger threat to the democratic institutions of the countries of the West? Facebook or parliamentarians who do not understand the first thing about live streaming who suggest that communication on the internet should be regulated and or banned? Which one do you think is more threatening to the democratic institutions of the West, do you think? Quote, this is the commissioner. They allow the live streaming of suicides, rapes and murders, continue to host and publish the mosque attack video, allow advertisers to target, quote, Jew haters and other hateful market segments and refuse to accept any responsibility for any content or harm. Harm. What is, what is harm? What is this harm of which this commissioner speaks, ladies and gentlemen? Comment has been requested from Facebook. Edwards said that while social media companies needed to take responsibility for the content they posted, New Zealand also needed to consider new laws regulating social media as Australia had done following the attack. Maybe a delay on live streaming would be a good thing, he said, as an interim measure until they can sort out their AI. Maybe they just need to turn it off altogether. It's a technology that is capable of causing great harm. There's that word again. Live streaming, ladies and gentlemen, according to the Privacy Commissioner of the New Zealand Parliament, says that live streaming is causing great harm. So maybe it should just be banned. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Again, I don't want to be accused of, you know, being in support of gunning down innocent people in a place of worship. But of course, idiots will accuse me of that anyway. So I may as well say my piece whilst I still can. In the wake of the terrorist attack in which 10 people watched a live stream of a guy shooting up a mosque, okay, 10 people watched it live. 
what other criminal activities or terror attacks have been directly caused by the 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 software that enables live streaming to exist. Can anybody tell me who, who has committed a terror attack recently? Put your hand up. If you're in the audience, who has committed a terror attack because live streaming exists? Can anybody tell me that? I'm sorry. Live streaming is causing great harm. Sorry. I must be some kind of fucking idiot. I thought it was the guy holding the gun who caused the great harm. Silly me, I guess. Silly me. No, it was actually Facebook's fault. It was Twitter's fault. It was live streaming's fault. Don't you? Didn't you see? There are people all around the world murdering, raping, kidnapping, committing terror attacks, shooting people, innocent people, because live streaming exists, apparently, according to this fucking peasant in the United States Parliament. Of course, I was thinking about it. The reality doesn't matter, though, does it? Because it's much easier to go after something like live streaming than it is to actually solve problems, right? It's a much easier fix. Arguably, there are very few people who actually use live streaming. So if you crack down, if you ban it, if you don't allow them to do what they do, you're not going to really upset many people and you get to stand out there like a big hero and claim that you've done a good thing for the world when you've really done fuck all. And of course, I'm sorry about the loss that people feel. I don't want to see tragedy. I really don't want to see people, innocent people being gunned down by lunatics or governments around the world. But I don't think I'm alone in saying that I am sick to death of governments ruling for the benefit of the 0.1% in exchange for the 99.9%. Going after live streaming is an easy fix. It's an easy target. It's an easy win. It's a soft sell. And there's nothing that inept politicians love more than being able to claim that they've done something without actually doing anything. Social media executives whose websites broadcast horrific terror attacks could face jail or billions of dollars in fines under new laws rushed through Parliament by Australia's government in response to the shooting. Why? Why? Nobody is explaining why. What is the harm caused by live streaming specifically? You mean you mean to say, I'm sorry, Mr. Prime Minister, in response to the shooting in Christchurch, you're going to throw the CEO of Facebook in prison? Gee, don't you think you should really focus your judiciary attention on the guy holding the fucking gun? Don't you think that would be more appropriate? Apparently not. Apparently not. And again, why why would these big companies be in favor of regulation? Regulation is only going to hurt the small startups. If there are crippling fines and jail terms imposed for people who allow live streaming to their platform and we now criminalize certain kinds of content, therefore turning the people who allow that content to go live into criminals, 
then only the big companies will be able to do it and only the big news corporations will be allowed to live stream. No more, no more people, no more backyard bloggers, no more man on the street style live streams. No, you can forget all that. And no more small up startup companies trying to quote unquote build their own platform. It's all finished if this stuff is allowed to continue. Embattled Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg is calling for stricter regulation of the web, including his own company. In an op-ed published in the Washington Post over the weekend, Zuckerberg called for more outside regulation in issues Facebook has faced criticism over. On Again, I repeat my question. On what planet would the CEO of a private company beg the government to come in and tell him how to do his job? I would suggest a CEO who understands that if the company can be regulated in a certain way, they can lock out competition forever and maintain a perpetual monopoly that will never be challenged because nobody else can have access, the same access to the market like the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Googles and the YouTubes had. Including political advertising, hate speech and... This is how governments kill competition, ladies and gentlemen user privacy. Over the past few years, Facebook has faced several probes from Congress and other governments over its actions. This included how it handled misinformation on its platform during the 2016 election. Let's bring in Nick Thompson now. He is a CBS News contributor and the editor-in-chief of Wired. Nick, welcome. Great to have you with us. You know, Zuckerberg has defended Facebook since 2016, and the company has made some changes to try and curb election interference. He touches on protecting elections in his op-ed, writing, quote, online political advertising laws primarily focus on candidates and elections rather than divisive political issues where we've seen more attempted interference. Some laws only apply during elections, although information campaigns are non-stop. Recently, Facebook, ladies and gentlemen, introduced a new regulation in their company that they would ban all content from quote-unquote white nationalists. And there's that old saying that we've said before, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Now, you might find the whole concept of white nationalism to be particularly distasteful, and you might well be right. Unfortunately here, the problem is, as always, definition. Because modern governments are not, you know, they're not the wordsmiths of the 18th century. These people aren't writing long theses on, you know, philosophical liberty and these kinds of things. No, we are now in the era of the inept, incompetent politician who refers only to the most shallow, most expedient political solution there is, the most cynical solution always, and the problem is, of course, definition. So by imposing these kinds of sanctions on these private companies, they will then force the private companies to change the rules themselves to avoid being fined or avoid being thrown in prison. So Facebook comes out and says, we are going to ban all white nationalists off Facebook. And many people say, yes, yes, that's fantastic. Until, of course, you understand that Facebook is advised on these kinds of definitions by such companies as the SPLC. And the SPLC has previously regarded Donald Trump, the president of the United States himself, to be a quote-unquote white nationalist. 
Any criticism of, say, immigration policy may get you labelled as a white nationalist on Facebook. And now that it's Facebook's policy to ban white nationalists from Facebook, bye-bye. Just in time for the election. Isn't that the darndest thing? And you might say to yourself, well, why can't another company come along and make their own platform? Well, they've already thought of that too. We're just going to regulate the hell out of you. So you'll never be able to afford the overheads to take the risk to allow content to go to your platform in the first place. Looks like Facebook is your only option. Sorry, white nationalists, you lose again. Who are the white nationalists, by the way? Anybody to the right of the SPLC. It's not just New Zealand. It's not just Australia. This one came through today. The political jostling behind Tory, the Tory internet crackdown. The Tories are the conservative government of the UK. The ones who are so ham-fisted with their heads driven so far up their own ass, they can taste what they shat yesterday. They can't even get out of Europe, but they're going to solve the problem of hate speech online. Believe it or not. Sajid Javid's warning social media companies face, quote, serious consequences if they don't keep users safe marks one of the biggest incursions by the Home Office into the world of media regulation since the issue was hived off from the department in the 1990s. The online harms white paper, yes, there's that word again, harm, meshes together the work of officials at the Home Office who have been pushing for a tough crackdown on tech companies from a law enforcement perspective and Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport staff who traditionally regulate the media. The reason why it's been done together is it's targeting the same companies with different harms. It's divided in Whitehall, but the whole point is to encapsulate it in one document. This thing that protecting you from harm is interesting, isn't it? Why aren't we protected from traffic? Why aren't we protected from cars? Shit, if we're to be protected from harm online, why, that could be almost anything. What if you were inspired to eat a shitload of McDonald's bacon hamburgers? due to advertising you saw online and due to the copious amounts of bacon you consume, you develop health, health issues. You may become obese. You may get a fatty liver. This would cost the now socialized healthcare system uh, a, a supreme amount of money to fix you. Why wouldn't that advertising be causing harm, ladies and gentlemen? Who's going to protect you from that harm? Because if the policy is to protect people from harm being caused by online or social media platforms, where does the line get drawn? Shut up. You're just in favour of people getting shot in a mosque. You hate Muslims, don't you? You disgusting xenophobe. You must be in favour of hate speech. Of course. If you think it's only the UK, if you think it's only Australia, if you think it's only in New Zealand, guess again, dear, dear listener. 
Lala Sharavesh, pardon me, British mother faces jail in Dubai for calling ex-husband's new wife a horse. A British mother faces two years in Dubai in a Dubai jail and a fifty thousand pound fine after calling her ex-husband an idiot and his new wife a horse on Facebook. Campaigners claim. Layla Shah Ravesh, fifty-five, now lives in Richmond, London, was detained in the United Arab Emirates last month with her fourteen-year-old daughter Paris when she attempted to attend the funeral of her ex-partner. She was arrested over the two Facebook comments which were made in 2016 after her ex-husband Pedro remarried, campaign group detained in Dubai claims. Ms. Sharavesh has been in Britain when what had been in Britain when she posted the comments, but her ex-husband, who died of a heart attack on the 3rd of March, and his new wife were living in Dubai. In Dubai, cybercrime laws mean an old social media post made by a person before they visit the country could still see them fined or jailed for years. Doesn't worldwide regulation of the internet just sound wonderful? Wonderful, isn't it? Now, you might say, oh, this is because of Sharia law. This is this could only happen in these other this could only happen in those Sharia law countries. Ladies and gentlemen, the first article I read to you today was about the Australian government wanting to lock up CEOs of companies based in other countries if they allow certain content to filter through to the uh, the silly peasant Australians. Do you see what's happening here? Do you see what's being normalized? Before our very eyes. There is a full court press currently happening in the fight for internet freedom. And the stories I've gone through from one story, Australia passes law penalizing social media companies for violent posts, ladies and gentlemen. Reports of online extremist material surge following Christchurch. Facebook is morally bankrupt because they don't do enough to prevent harm online. What is harm? Don't 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 even ask. If you ask, you must be in favor of hate speech. The social media companies are in favor of regulation as we know if they they impose these kinds of fines and these kinds of jail terms on the CEOs, on the companies, then only the big companies can afford to survive, ladies and gentlemen. There will be no more startups starting their own thing if the governments make it financially unviable for them to do so through the use of regulation. That is the threat that's happening here. These big companies want to pull up the drawbridge. They want to entrench themselves as a monopoly backed by government. Hey, and if all else fails, then why not just ban live streaming altogether? Unless, of course, you work for one of the big media companies, the CNNs, the MSNBCs, the Fox News, the ABCs, they'll be allowed to live stream because they're quote-unquote real news, you see. Maybe they'll just have to pay a license, a few million dollars a year, then they'll be allowed to, they'll be allowed to live stream. You've got a phone on the street and you want to take video footage of something that's happening in your community? Guess again, because that might just be regarded as violent content. And away you go. 
they can't allow you to stream it because the people that run these companies might end up in jail if somebody happens to shoot somebody. And we absolutely can't have that, can we? A full court press, ladies and gentlemen. When you add in Article 13 in the European Union, when you add the way that Alex Jones is being hauled over the coals, the way the First Amendment is being subverted in the United States of the United States of America. Land of the free and home of the brave, where you can't even question a public event lest you be accused of intentionally inciting emotional harm on the people that event effects and therefore driven into bankruptcy where you'll end up a pudgy corpse in a gutter clutching a whiskey bottle. Sounds like freedom to me. I don't want to end on a downer. I try to end on a high note where possible. I've got one more story for you. Suspected rhino poacher trampled by elephants and eaten by lions in South Africa. Now, I'm not somebody who's against people hunting People hunt. I'm not one of these people that says, oh my God, you can't kill the animals. It's horrible. It's horrible. But I am somebody who believes in the animals getting one back from time to time. Because if you wander into a place which is occupied by elephants and lions and you've got a gun and you get eaten by a lion, I'm kind of like, well, it's your own damn fault. The lions, the lions stuck up for themselves and they got one back. A suspected rhino poacher met a grisly demise at Kruger National Park in South Africa last week. He was part of a group of five suspected poachers who entered the park to allegedly kill rhinos, but an elephant killed him and he was later devoured by a pride of lions. According to park officials, the family of the alleged uh, alleged poacher were told that their relative had been killed by an elephant and they requested the assistance of park officials to recover the remains. During this search, which was boosted with a further complement of field rangers, the remains of a body were discovered. Just the bones. Indications found at the scene that suggested a pride of lions had devoured the remains, leaving only a human skull and a pair of pants. (laughs) Whoops. Skakuza police were notified immediately and are currently busy with further investigations into the incident the four other suspected poachers have been arrested. Like I said, I'm not against I'm not against hunting, but if you walk around where lions where hungry lions lie, then don't expect any sympathy if you end up in their bellies. Unfortunately, it's just like crawling into a lion enclosure at a zoo to take a selfie. If you crawl into an animal enclosure in a zoo to take a selfie, and you get your tits ripped off by a bobcat, don't cry to me. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why we go I don't know why we go the lengths we go to to try and work against Darwinism, to try and work against natural selection. And every now and then I think it's I think this is a feel-good uplifting story. The sad reality is, of course, in the future I may be accused of deliberately and intentionally inflicting emotional trauma on the victim's family. And my ability to live stream may be banned. (sighs) Take it away.
because this kind of content obviously causes emotional harm to somebody, one way or another. And we need our governments to wrap us up in a nice little safety blanket, don't we? Too much freedom is deadly. Don't you ever forget it. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for being with us today. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to pat my lion, you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Please stick around for real person politics, real person at real person PLTCS. I see him in the chat, James. So he's probably revved up, raring to go. This, this stuff is only going to get worse. It's only going to get more intense. They're already writing the laws as we speak. Take the last effective weapon we have against big government establishment politics and rip it right from our fingers when it matters most. It's not a time for complacency. It's a time for awareness. Till next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Blue Room. Thanks for joining us, guys. Remember, don't feed the lions. If you must feed them, feed them a smelly poacher. If you'd like to share the show, head over to iTunes or Podbean. Look for the Daily Boogie, you'll find it there. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.